1: The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate.
2: We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go.
1: What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 111, the first show of 2017. Scott, happy new year!
2: Happy new year! Happy new year! Did you do anything awesome? I did. Did You ring in the new year with a with a bang?
1: I did. I was uh, I rang in the new year asleep for the first time I in I can remember. Really? Yes. Uh, the girlfriend and I went up to Vermont to go skiing. And we had a long day of skiing, a long day of traveling, and by 11 p.m. I was like, you know what? Screw this. I don't even need to stay up, and I went to bed. And it so sucks because I missed Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey. Complete that's meltdown. exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah, I that was the up. most
2: entertaining thing was the Mariah Carey just train wreck. Yep. It was. It was so much fun to watch live and then go to Twitter and just read for like an hour. Of, yeah, I woke of up every Twitter comedian out there.
1: I woke up at like 7 a.m. the next day to go skiing. And because no one's up at 7 a.m. on New Year's Day, Twitter was dead except for Mariah Carey memes.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was very entertaining. I got to say. So I did my wife and I sat home and. And uh, acted old, and did. not I was designing T-shirts to tell you the damn truth. <laughs> were you up at
1: midnight though? Because if so, yeah, you, no, I you stayed awake. I, All right, you were younger yeah, no, than I me.
2: St- yes, I stayed awake. I stayed awake. I was. I was drinking alone and white wine and designing. No, this is beer, which is very. Shocking because usually when I drink beer I'm out like I can't slowly drink beer I have to if I'm if I'm around a bunch of people I can drink it continuously but if I'm by myself and I have like three to four beers I'm I'm falling asleep it's it's over but for whatever reason I was intrigued I was you know very excited about my new t-shirt that I was designing and putting out there chase for 28 and uh, and then started getting on Instagram and Twitter a little bit and then Mariah Carey absolutely woke me up because that was by far the most entertaining thing all night. I mean, it was, it was fun to watch. <laughs> and, and everything I hear about her is that she's just a, you know, she's just an asshole to everybody. Like she's awful behind the scenes. Yeah. So it seemed like everybody was just like, okay, we're just going to let this go a little bit longer.
1: Uh, Lip syncing malfunctions is one of my favorite things in the yeah. entire world. It, it doesn't get any better than watching someone's face turn when they realize that the track is still going and their lips are not moving.
2: The the high pitch Mariah Carey like the where she's known for going really really high, all fake. So now I don't believe in it at all. I really don't think she can sing anymore. I think it's gone. I think she's lost it. Um, she got too cocky to, to practice.
1: She's um, her better days are behind her. Oh, no, I'm just no gonna leave it that. at that. Yes. Mariah Carey like 1994 was some primo stuff. Like right before she started Der- uh, dating Derek Jeter.
2: Yeah. No, yeah, uh, that's. The voice was phenomenal. She was phenomenal at that point. Jeter hit it at the prime. I mean, look, just yet another all you girl. Gonna, you, yet this another is what girl you need to know. Jeter ruined. <laughs> this is what you need to know on like the barometer of of when they peaked. If Jeter was dating you at that point, probably very close to the high point, right? Absolutely, very close to the prime. He's got so, a nose for that kind of yeah, kind of greatness. He's, he's good. He's he's good like that. So, yeah, yeah, Jeter.
1: Well, happy happy 2017. Happy New Year to all of our Bronx Pinstripe Show listeners out there. Hopefully, you guys had a more exciting New Year's than I did. I had a great weekend. It was a fun fun time, uh, but I, I did not do anything crazy. And for the longest time, I would go out to bars, and you'd pay that $150 cover just so you could get that stupid-ass champagne toast at midnight. And it was the dumbest thing in the entire world. And every year, I would say, I'm not doing this next year. I'm not doing this next year, and then, lo and behold, I would do it next year. But you know what? I
2: finally this didn't do it didn't. next year. You got yourself a girl. You settled down a little bit. Went skiing. I don't know. Things are happening. You're getting older. Thirties. Thirties like a blink away for you now. It I know. seems like you're close to it. I'm, I know. It feels I'm, like you're close to it.
1: I'm a year and a half away.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you're getting you're getting closer to my life. It's, it's uh it's pretty scary. I'm I'm watching this unfold.
1: Yeah, but the great thing is that you're also getting older as I'm getting older.
2: I will always be that much older, yes. That <laughs> will never stop. So you
1: teased it earlier, Chaser 28 in the fan shop. Uh, we got big plans for 2017 in the fan shop.
2: Yeah, this is something I'm very excited about. You know, last year was was kind of like phase 2, I guess, for it, and this year phase, phase 3. Phase 2 Del Boca,
1: Del Boca Vista.
2: Del Boca Vista. Yeah, it's a beautiful piece of property. The phase three is exciting because we I, there's now a lot of uh, options for for different things in the fan shop. We've basically stuck to t-shirts for the most part, and uh, and and now I'm going to be putting a lot more shirts out, a lot more shirts. I'm 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 working on probably five right now, and uh, the cool thing about that is I could start doing sweatshirts now. Um, I'm getting into some custom sweatshirts. I'm working with some shops that do like cut and sew, which are like straight sourcing fabric, getting the the fabric and sewing and cutting like from scratch uh so some really cool stuff that we're gonna be that we're gonna be rolling out there are you I making see some organic the, t-shirts they're not organic i can't say i don't know where the fabric was manufactured uh, i cannot guarantee shirts yeah i cannot guarantee it's like sweatshop free that's that's not that's not a guarantee because it might be very well might be for you know i got to keep my my prices down we're not you know we're not Obviously. rolling the bucks <laughs> But um yeah, there's a lot more options now. We're going to be doing a lot of uh, hats too. That's Snap-Ax.
1: The BP hat that I saw the mock up of is sick and I know you have one and I'm waiting for mine and yeah. you have not sent it to me yet.
2: Yeah, there's only one in existence. I'm wearing it right now One actually. of one. Yeah. One of one. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a it's a tough item to get. I but think, yes, that that's on the that's the, on the docket. Uh, that one's coming.
1: I think the uh, the the first few members of Bronx Pinstripes at least deserves the BP hat. That's like how you know you're an OG,
2: and yeah, that's true. I mean, you have a you have a polo. There's only there's only three people that have a polo. <laughs>
1: that is that's yep.
2: No, my four. brother had one. Four. He like my brother had one for the night, but I have that polo now. So there's only three people. I was like, you got to give that back. You know, you're just a cameraman for the night.
1: Um, yeah, but I'm excited for 2017 in the fan shop. And and if you're a listener of the podcast, definitely um go to the fan shop. We're gonna be saying uh codes on air. So the only way you can get a discount is by listening to the show and we'll we'll give you a code for each week or each month. We haven't figured out exactly how we're gonna do it yet. But we will give you a special code in the future so that you can use and get a, a percent discount in the fan shop. So uh we definitely want to encourage the the listeners of the show who who are probably some of the more loyal Bronx Pinstripes readers and, and website followers to um, also get a discount on the fan shop because, as a thank you for, for listening to the podcast.
2: Yeah, definitely. That's it's probably going to be a weekly thing. I'm going to keep pumping out these shirts. Uh, if anybody ever has an idea, you know, we're we're always wide open for new ideas and cool stuff. This is this is all about the fans and uh, and you know stuff that's really not being made right now. So I want to make sure that you know we get some unique stuff and some cool things. Uh, going to be going to be hooking up with some players in the near future as well. Hopefully, we can do some stuff with them. Um, so yeah, a lot of a lot of fun things, a lot of exciting things on the on the horizon for for that side of it. But yeah, I'm pumped up for 2017. This is. This is probably the one year that I've been, that I'm most excited for, honestly, in the past, as long as I can remember, honestly, I'm very excited for 2017. I feel like there's going to be a lot of very good things happening.
1: Absolutely. And speaking of the listeners, thank you guys for reaching our goal and exceeding our goal of 150 ratings and 100 reviews. We exceeded that by about five on each and it's great. We're Quickly climbing the charts, we're the number one podcast. If you search in Yankees and iTunes, and that is awesome. Uh, we can see the stats behind the scenes. We know the po- the podcast is growing, and that's great. So I, I definitely want to just again thank you guys for for doing that. And if you have not gone and reviewed the show yet, please do. It takes two seconds. Um, give it a five star review uh, or give it an honest review. Even if you if you have any criticisms of ours, we're open to criticism and uh, making the show better. We want to make the best show possible. Like Scott, this one person uh, is criticizing you. Juke of URL says, these two are passionate and opinionated, bona fide New York Yankees fans, even if one of them has trouble doing live reads. And I I think they're talking about you.
2: As you stumbled saying that, yeah. (laughs) It was definitely definitely talking about me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm glad they keyed on that. That was a very, very keen observation. That's how you know that
1: they're a loyal listener.
2: No doubt. These are things that we need to work on because if we are to get advertisers on the show, which is a goal of ours, eventually is to get some some people who want to pay some money to uh, get their products wrong on our show. We have to be able to read what they're selling. So yeah, that's something we need to work on. Absolutely. That's that's also part of 2017 resolution.
1: Just because I'm uh, maybe not the best live reader, it doesn't make you the best live reader either.
2: It makes me... It makes me the best of the two of us, which is pretty good, maybe I'm just yeah oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, you want we could we can make this into a competition. <laughs> how
1: would we even do that?
2: I don't know <laughs> um, I, I, they people can rate us how about that we could we could have a whole, a whole separate section of them rating us as readers.
1: yes, please go to iTunes and write in the review who you think is a better live reader,
2: <laughs> I'm obviously a twelve out of ten.
1: Um, we decided that we will be attending Yankee Spring Training this year, March twenty fourth, twenty fifth, and twenty sixth, because it is the one and only weekend the Yankees have three home games. So that is going to be a kick ass weekend down in Tampa.
2: Yeah, I'm pumped up for that one. Uh, we got our place straightened out. We're gonna be uh, we're gonna be staying in Tampa down by um, what's it called Seminole Heights in that area, which is really close to the stadium and around some breweries and things like that. So we're gonna set up. We haven't figured out what we're going to do yet, but I know Andrew and I have been talking about setting up uh, at least a, one event, if not more, uh, for the time that we'll be down there. You know, for us to go out to a bar, um, get some drinks, and hang out. It'll be fun. Uh, you know, if you're going down, try to do that weekend. It's, first of all, it's the best weekend to go because Absolutely. there's three home games. So it just makes the most sense. And, uh, and yeah, obviously, there's, there's extra incentives. We can hang out. There could be more. Uh, we'll, we'll set up like a Yankee fan meetup. I think it'd be a, a lot of fun.
1: It's definitely the best weekend to go because of the, the three games, but also it's later in spring training, so you know the starters will be playing four or five innings maybe.
2: Yeah, definitely. No, it's it's there's those that's like knee deep in all of the, the battles for any position. If we're if we're looking at, you know, potentially a, a a position battle for left field, right field, maybe third base if your dreams come true. You know, you never know. There's there's a lot of things that can happen at that point.
1: Um I'm I'm also looking forward to it because I feel like last year it was y- you and me's first experience down there. At least my first. Maybe you? I did you go as a kid? I forget.
2: Not. No, I, yeah. Only, but here's the I'm going to date myself. I was at Yankee Spring Training when they were at Fort Lauderdale,
1: <laughs> which is what like eighty <laughs> one.
2: No, come on. I'm I not that old. I know it, it was it was uh, early nineties. Yeah. So it was because I used to go to Vero Beach and the Yankees. We're in Fort Lauderdale and they would play the Dodgers.
1: But you and I kind of figured out the lay of the land down there this time around. So I think yeah. this, this coming spring we will have um, a little – we know where to go, what to do. So I think it will be it'll be awesome.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Your your buddy who lives down there was a big help, I think, that kind of gave us – told us what neighborhoods were what, where the where all the bars were, where things were. And now that I'm looking at a map, I, I recognize things. So it's uh, definitely a positive.
1: And uh party at Jeter's house afterwards, right?
2: yeah what was the island davis island remember we had no idea they're like oh yeah davis island we're like i have no idea what you're saying right now i don't know where <laughs> that is is that in tampa is that in florida saint, oh yes it's saint it, pete it, yeah no it's it's dead in the center of tampa oh, so yeah okay
1: say i don't even remember <laughs> um any new year's resolutions for 2017 either yankees or non-yankees related we want to know uh, what is scott ryan's new year's resolutions
2: so the Yankees' New Year's resolution, I, I do have one, and and it, and it has to do with Joe Girardi. I I'm going to be taking more of a backseat on criticizing Girardi this year, I think, because whoa, whoa. yeah, yeah, news newsflash, that's
1: bad um, news for the podcast.
2: Well, I'm sure you'll uh, you'll change that. Soon. I guess I need to double it's my just efforts. A, it's this is just a resolution. It's not it's not, it's not something that's in, entrenched yet. Over
1: but, under April second when Scott breaks
2: that. Well, I'm going to give you let me give you my reasons why I'm saying this. Okay, because I think this year is and you know we've talked about this. This is this is like this is exactly what Girardi wants. This is where he thrives. He thrives when the young guys are around and working with young guys and putting them in positions to succeed. I think he's a. Lot, you'll see that he's a lot better with the young guys rather than the veterans. I, I really could tell towards the end of last year and with all the shenanigans that were going on off the field and with the media, Duarte was just getting frustrated. I mean, you could see it all over his face. He was getting annoyed by the questions, annoyed because of the situations that he was put in, because of the veterans. And he just, you know, it's just it's just not the place where he thrives and that's not where he does good things. So I think now that he's got... You know, guys that he can mold, guys that he can really manage and put in positions. I think there needs to be some patience because at the same time while he's doing that, he's going to be figuring these things out. And he's going to have to, you know, work a little bit, uh, you know, here, work a little bit there and see how a guy reacts in certain ways. So I think it's going to be a learning experience for him to learn the players because there's so many new players that are going to be playing in 2017 on the on the pro team. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't think I'm going to be... I, I can't be as critical because I think there needs to be patience.
1: So I totally understand what you're saying. Um, I think what you're saying is that you and I and a lot of fans have been begging the Yankees to go through a youth movement rebuild, rebuild, retool, whatever you want to call it. And they finally did it this year. And now we can't then jump down, uh, attack them anytime they underperform because – we have to remember these are kids they're going to go through struggles this is what we wanted because we know 2018 2019 2020 and on is going to be even better because that's how you build dynasties you don't build dynasties through free agency you do it through young players in your farm system and we've got that in 2017 so we can't then attack them for underperforming when this is what we asked for
2: well, and it's not even—it's not only just that. It's not only you build through the young players, but it, you build when the young players succeed. So we we have to make sure that and, and and give Girardi that little bit of leash so that he can put those guys in those positions because it may not be the right position, you know, come opening day. So, it may take half a season. It may take an entire season for him to figure out who does what, well, when, how, and and then you know make them. Uh, put them in the best position at that point. So it's going to take time.
1: But what about the annoying bullpen decisions that you know he's going to make when he brings right. in Richard Blyer in a key situation in the seventh inning just because he doesn't want to use Batances until the eighth inning?
2: See, those are different. <laughs> 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 those those to me are just like longstanding Girardi headaches, and that to me has nothing to do with what we're talking about. What, what we're talking about is is the the youth movement and and finding these key positions for these guys to succeed that what you're saying is just stubbornness and utter ridiculousness so I'm um, what I'm hoping is that he gets trendy and and, and goes Andrew Miller style and starts using Batantis in the innings and then we're going to praise him and then there's going to be a different story altogether because Joe Girardi is learning on the job and 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 adapting and being flexible and everything we need him to be as a manager and also teaching these young kids so so uh, I, I'm confident. I have a, I'm optimistic on on Girardi this year.
1: No, you're going in with a positive spin on Girardi, and I love that. Yeah, that's yeah. that's good. That's probably good for your health. Better, better oh, than it's what very I'm good going for my through.
2: health. I have to I have to make sure that I'm very positive, extremely positive. Waiting for you to come at me, so I have to like build it up.
1: <laughs> well, I think what you'll uh, what you're talking about more is that. Do you remember when um, a couple? It was the 2015 season when Slade Heathcott had that walk off, or not walk off, game winning homer against Tampa, yes. and then sat the next week, and yes. and it was in the middle of a Brett Gardner and Jacoby Ellsbury classic slump, and we're saying, hey, why not play the kid that just won you a ball game? Um, you'll get mad at that kind of crap.
2: Yeah, well, that drives me nuts because you have a kid who's who's coming off. I mean, he had a huge game. Like, let's ride that momentum. And and then no, and then it just it just got shut down. It was shut down immediately. But I mean, Slay Heathcott was never really in the future, the long term plan. But, but it's
1: still it's it's uh, it's, it's a type of thing. It's yeah. type of it's those type of um, reading your team scenarios where just because the binder says you need to play. Uh, Jacoby Ellsbury against a righty or Brett Gardner t- today because Slade Heathcott played yesterday or fill in Mason Williams it might be Mason Williams this year doesn't mean you have to follow it you can change things up and let these kids uh, take you where they will let's see what they've got we already know what the veterans have let's see what the kids have
2: one thing would what I, I tell you what, it would be a, a very interesting actually to talk to a Florida Marlins fan uh, for back when when uh, Girardi was was coaching was managing that team when they had a really young team and to see how he did things those are going to be hard to find yeah I know, I know you have to really dig deep for those guys um, but yeah that would be that would be an interesting conversation to see if he if his managing style was different when he had a bunch of young dudes rather than a bunch of veterans so I, I don't know I, I, I'm just I hope I hope it is I really do and from everything we we know about him and how he does thrive with those kids I gotta believe it is different he tweaks it
1: yeah he um. He, that, that's kind of, the, like you said, the reputation he had with the Marlins, right, is is mm-hmm. working well with the young players. So he's, he's got a young roster next year. It, amazingly young roster if you look at some of the depth chart, and this kind of goes in well uh, into, our, into our, one of our Yankee topics today, is looking at this depth chart, position, position player depth chart so far, we know we got Gary Sanchez, Austin Romine at catcher, two young players. We've got Greg Bird and Tyler Austin at first base two young players, Starling Castro and Torres Castro. He's a young, but he's a veteran, but he's still 27 years old. Third base, Headley and Torres. Uh Headley's the veteran there. Shortstop, DD and Tereas. You're seeing a trend there with the uh, backup middle infielder of Torres, but DD again, he's veteran, but he's still a young player. Gardner and Mason Williams is the depth chart out in left field, Ellsbury and Aaron Hicks in center field. And then Aaron judge Hicks in right field. And then Matt Holliday, obviously the DH. And you got Tyler Austin, Ref Snyder, Torres, Mason Williams. Name your utility player that might come up from Scranton. So I guess it's just a long way of saying that you think of the Yankees as an old team, but very quickly, even their major league roster has kind of turned over to being young.
2: It's extremely young. I mean, there's, there's really... I mean, Ells, Ellsbury and Holiday are probably the oldest. And Gardner? I, I guess those are the three oldest guys on the team. At, yeah, Gardy right?
1: yeah, and Els are the same age.
2: Yeah, so Matt Holiday being the uh, the elder statesman uh, by, uh, what, five years, four years? Yeah, but so kind of – I mean,
1: I'm, he's old, but he's a one-year DH option. I'm not really worried about that.
2: No, no, no. I mean, we're talking about 2017, though. That's. I mean, I'm not – I'm just just talk, talking about numbers at this point. Yeah, what yeah, is he, yeah. 36, 37? He, he so.
1: cranks up the average age.
2: But it's not much because he's only one dude at the top. Whereas before we had a whole bunch of guys out there. But yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting. And then you never know there's, there's going to be battles for those, those second guys. I mean, like Romine had a good year last year. He had a very good year, but there's, there's catchers in the system now that are, that are playing well and hot on the keel. So you never know. I mean, look at last year when uh, John Ryan Murphy got traded for Aaron Hicks. That was kind of out of the blue, right? I mean, it was, it was, I think it was a, a surprise when it happened and, uh, and, and the reason being was because, you know, we knew that there was catching depth in the system. And we were still catching depth.
1: We liked um we liked John Ryan Murphy. But yeah, but we Cashman also liked that realized, move. I liked
2: that move. It was a good move I well, thought at the time.
1: Yeah, at the time it was a good move on paper, but but Cashman realized that he's got five John Ryan Murphys in the system. Right. So they're expendable.
2: Even um, for Aaron Hicks. For Jackie Bradley Jr. <laughs> uh
1: but but it, even though the roster is young, most of those positions are pretty much set in place. The only ones I really see possibly shifting before the season starts, or, or if someone has a really bad spring, is first base and right field.
2: Yeah, I think the utility jobs are for grabs too. I think Ruff Snyder having a good spring is.
1: Yeah, I mean the utility players, the twenty you know the twenty third, twenty fourth, twenty fifth guys on the roster obviously will change with whoever performs in spring, and if there's any injuries. But as far as the starting job, we think Greg Bird is going to be the starter, and we think Aaron Judge is going to be the starter in right field. But those are the only two positions that I could even fathom changing before the season starts.
2: Yeah, everybody else is pretty much locked in, you know, obviously not barring a trade or uh, some kind Exactly, of barring yeah.
1: trades, but just talking about uh, performance-related uh, things going into the season.
2: Right. No, yeah, that's it. I mean, they've everybody has come out and pr- practically said that that right field is Aaron, jo- Aaron Judge's job. So, um, you know, nobody's nobody's saying that Aaron Hicks could battle him for that position. Everybody right now is saying that it's Judge's job and you know, they're going to be patient with him for for at least a little while. So, uh, I think you know, he's he's got a little bit of security in the sense that at least people are talking about the the front office is saying that it's his job, which is which I guess is good for him, right? I mean, he he's then only he only has to focus on getting better as a player and not yeah. really worrying about what's behind him.
1: 100% up to him. We talked about it last week where it's it's all on his shoulders, but not in a bad way, in a good way because I don't think there's going to be a ton of pressure on him to carry the team next year. That that would be ridiculous. But as long as he performs, it's it's his job. Um yeah, I, Aaron Hicks will have to hit 1000 in spring training to steal a right. job. Right. And and obviously that won't happen.
2: Maybe throw 106 from right field. <laughs>
1: um, any of those positions concern you? Anything jump out where you're saying, "Ah, I really wish the Yankees would add some more depth there."
2: Not really. I, I I like where we are. I mean, even the utility spot. I think Torres proved a lot last year. I think he he showed that he's a guy who can, you know, step in add you know sh- add some offense. I mean, he he was a guy who. Was one of the you know the better offensive players. You're not going to get home runs. You're not going to get a lot of power out of the guy, but he gets on base quite a bit. He's uh, he's kind of a rascal on the base paths. Um, and then you know I'm not going to say anything bad about Rob Refsteiner. I think everybody <laughs> who listens here knows that uh, this is a guy I think can play the uh, in the major leagues. He's a pro hitter. Uh, I think he's got to prove more to the team that he can play defense because they'll never believe it. So. He's got to show that so, so let's that he talk can about be a that. true utility let's, guy.
1: Let's talk about that. Because right now, Torres is the only only guy backup infielder that can play second or short. That
2: doesn't concern you at all? Well, no, because last year, if you remember, I mean, Starling Castro can play short as well. So oh, okay, yes. Going into the season, Castro was actually the backup shortstop.
1: You're right. You're right. Um, but Torres is kind of filling a pretty big, Big backup big spot.
2: Yeah, no, I agree with that. It's, I mean, he's he's going to be playing in the infield. The good, the nice thing about Ref Snyder is that he can also play the outfield, and that's his natural position. I mean, he's he's better at the outfield. Well, I think we're it.
1: learning that the Yankees don't trust him in the infield, unless no. it's maybe first base. But which, which again, is which Tyler is crazy. Kind which is, stole that yeah, from him,
2: right? Exactly. Tyler Austin is his biggest problem right now because of that. But Tyler Austin uh, also plays outfield. Ref Snyder. I, I think that experiment Austin, at third did base is Austin Austin hurt him.
1: did not play the outfield in the majors for them did he last year maybe like maybe one game in right field but I'm
2: pretty sure yeah, he, I thought he, he got a he had some time out there I believe but I mean he's played in the minor leagues and yeah he can play the outfield
1: he was primarily a first base though first yes. baseman for them yes. last year
2: and, and going into the season he's going to be the backup first baseman and, and probably you know rotated depending on who's pitching at some points obviously all depending on what bird does but I think going into the season, they're gonna they're gonna make Tyler Austin a first baseman because of of the fact that Ref Schneider is is flexible for the outfield. Hicks is going to be in the outfield. Mason Williams is there. They have guys who could play the outfield. They don't really need him to play the outfield. They need him to play first base well and play a good and you know pick up a good glove and be a good defensive first baseman if they need it.
1: Damn, wouldn't it be convenient if he could play third base?
2: Well, a lot of first basemen can go across the diamond and play third. It's happened before.
1: Yeah, if uh, if Miguel Cabrera can do it, then I'm, I'm pretty Tyler sure Austin. Tyler Austin can. I'm pretty sure Ref Snyder can in, in that case too.
2: Yeah, I, you know, I, Ref Snyder was close to getting that third base, getting getting some more security until like do you remember the last game or last two games of spring well, training yeah, last he, year. He booted, he, like took four face, balls. he took one off the face, he took one off the chest. I mean, it was like it was he was just getting crushed. It was it was uh it was not a good ending of spring training for him at third base.
1: Um, We're obviously going to get into the depth chart more as the season uh, gets closer, but I just wanted to take a look at it from sort of like a bird's-eye view right now. Um, I mean, that's why the Yankees have been pretty quiet is because most things are pretty much set. Um, All right, next thing I want to talk about is Dell and 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 a little behind the scenes here is normally I put in the notes exactly what – or not exactly, but mostly what we're going to be talking about. And right now all I have – in there is Dylan Batances, and Scott has no clue where I'm going with
2: this. Yeah, now I have no idea what you're about to say.
1: I think the Yankees should turn him back into a starter.
2: Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's, this is, this is a starting point. Let's, let's hear the reasonings.
1: Here's why. Obviously, he's not going to be the closer. That's Chapman's job. And I'm really losing faith in their ability or willingness to use him like Andrew Miller was used in the postseason where he's the fireman. He might pitch in the fifth. He might pitch two innings, sixth and seventh. And then the, he's not used again for a couple days. <clears throat> I am just terrified Girardi's going to use him as a traditional eighth inning pitcher. And he's better than that. He's a better pitcher than just an 8th inning setup guy. He's he's filthy. He's probably the 5th best reliever in baseball. And I don't want to waste him in the 8th inning. There's plenty of other guys. Tyler uh Adam Warren. Name your middle reliever who can get you close to what Betances will give you for the 8th inning. I think he has more value if they try and make him a starter again. He was a starter his entire minor league career up until... He came up to the Yankees in 2013. I think he could go back and do it again. There's been plenty of guys who have made the transition back. I see no reason why he can't do it.
2: I feel like you sprung this on me, so I couldn't go to Baseball Reference and pull up some stats. No, I got some, some baseball. What do you down. I got
1: I got his <laughs> both his major and minor league page up, and I also have got John Smoltz's page up because John he,
2: Smoltz. You found the convenient comparison. <laughs> he was a closer
1: <laughs> for four seasons, and then went yep. back and started for another five seasons. He pitched till he was forty-two years old.
2: Okay, so when did he go to a? When did he? When did he revert back? I mean, was it after he was a dominant starter in the major leagues okay, and won a uh, World Series? I understand
1: that. Yeah, but he was was okay, 38 years old, and he went back the did matter. it. That doesn't matter.
2: That means nothing. He was
1: 39 that, years old and made 35 starts. You're yo, telling look, me 28-year-old Batances yeah. can't do it?
2: Nah, Bullshit. Nah, so I'm throwing this out because all you did was find a one person that conveniently made your yeah, argument the, for whatever reason. The one person and you, you also picked mind. a Hall of Famer. You also picked a Hall of Famer, John Smoltz. Okay, okay if Delon so, Batances
1: me, goes into the rotation and pitches 12 Major League seasons at all-star caliber uh, starter level, he'll be a Hall of Famer.
2: Here's the problem. Here's the the problem. The problem is, the reason Delon Batantis is a relief pitcher now is because he wasn't any good as a starter. That's not true. He, yes, not towards true. the end. This is. I'm going off of complete memory now, but because okay, I have I'm nothing. I'm looking at his stats you, right now. Because you threw this on me. So, but so let's just talk. I'm going to talk off my head. Okay. The what I remember the problems with him was that. He lost the strike zone. He was walking guys left and right. He could not throw strikes. Yeah, and that was the biggest problem for him as a starting pitcher. And we've seen that spur up. We've seen that rear its ugly head with Dylan Betances as an as a reliever when he loses when his he's stuff, when, he loses... when
1: he's been used. Okay, when he's days exhausted.
2: So now we're gonna throw him into a, a starting job where yeah. he's gonna be throwing multiple innings at a time. Yeah, not gonna get exhausted because nope. what I think happens is that this kid. When he's when he's tired, whether it's one one outing and five innings or three outings, one inning each, back to back to back, doesn't matter. He's tired. The arm gets tired. Yeah, loses command. It's loses the next command. day
1: that he's tired. It's not during that one performance.
2: Well, that's. I mean, we don't know that because he hasn't done it in a, in a major league game. But obviously, that he would long.
1: All, he'd all be have to get his body readjusted to being a starter. He'd have to stretch out, stretch his arm, his arm out. He could do that this off season. He started twenty five games in two thousand eleven, and he had a three point seven ERA. It's not Where fantastic. Was he? Where was he? He was in uh, uh, double, single, and, double, and triple A,
2: double and triple. Look, the, the problem was the walks. I mean, that that was the reason they moved, made him into a reliever because he couldn't keep the strike zone. I mean, he had plenty of time, and he was part of the killer bees coming up. He was one of the one of the starting pitchers that was going to be the guy, and he couldn't do it. They they moved him to the, and they don't do that very often. He they, was they young. They tried to bring them in.
1: Uh, he has more huh. experience now. He's had he has three All Star caliber seasons under his belt as being a dominant reliever. He's got confidence. There's no reason he can't. Now have the mindset to go and be a starting pitcher.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know if it's uh, it's it's not going to happen.
1: I know it's not going to happen. But for I Dellen think for
2: Dylan Betances, if I were Dylan Betances and and this were an option for me, I Hell would yeah. throw, I would try because now you, you make know, you a million look at dollars a
1: start as a as a mediocre yeah. starting pitcher. You <laughs> look at
2: what his you look at what his 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 uh, future is and the contract future for him. Now he's stuck in the eighth inning. He's screwed. He's not going to get paid like a closer. And he is not a rotation guy. Ivan there's, there's Nova a, just
1: signed like a thirty million dollar contract.
2: Yeah, there's not really a precedent for for him, you know, for his, for his type of ability, and and then being stuck as a, a guy who's not a starter or a, not a reliever. So. I
1: just think about his struggles the last couple seasons, and it's not because of um, long, extended single performances. It's because he's used multiple times and and he gets tired that way. He gets tired when he, he reaches being used too much late in the season. Where if yeah. you if you're a What about when guys are
2: on happen. base? What about when guys are on base? Cuz he's a different pitcher when guys it's, are on base too. I mean, and that's going to happen there would a lot be an more adjusting pitcher.
1: There would be an adjustment, but I, yeah, ask, I just ask John
2: Lester about that adjustment. It sometimes it doesn't work. <laughs> John Lester
1: just won the World Series.
2: Yeah, well, it didn't. It didn't happen. He didn't throw over to first base. It had nothing to do with that. Say, Dylan
1: Betances was turned into a starter, and he is a uh, slightly above league average starting pitcher.
2: That's us just make a Chapman a starter too. Okay. I mean, while we're at it, let's just let's just, let's just, do, let's just do that. Dillon
1: Adam Betances, Warren. as a slightly above league average starting pitcher is more valuable to the 2017 and 2018 Yankees than an eighth inning guy.
2: I would agree with that. Okay, I just don't think it's going to happen. Nor do I think that. I, 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 looking it back, if he can't, if he is walking guys like he did in the minor leagues, it's not going to work. He, he just can't do it, and that is the reason they 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 moved him.
1: Well, they so, they just signed. They have a closer. We know who the closer is. Why not give it a shot?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, I it's it's something. <laughs> I think you should write Brian Cashman a letter. It's something for sure. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else to tell you about that one. Yeah, it's it's something. It's, it it could be a it could be a positive move for the organization if they were to try to make a move like that, and it were were to work out. Because yeah, he has no everyone... value moving forward as a, an eighth inning guy, as a person, as a, as a player. As he a doesn't person. want to be in the posi- as a person. He doesn't want to be in that position. Hell no! It's not enough. a position he wants to be in. I mean, he, whether could still, he says it or not,
1: I mean, he, he could still get paid closer money once he becomes a free agent and he probably will. And it won't be the Yankees, but I just think that he could have a successful career as a starting pitcher. And I would, I would love, I would love to see that.
2: It's going to be a problem. I think when arbitration hits, because he's not going to get the closer, the, the numbers for, uh, well, no, it's just if, closer.
1: if, if, I mean, it, Arbitration though, or the qualifying offer is set at the top one hundred and fifty players in the league. Not arbitration. Yeah, but, it, but he'll get he'll get paid in arbitration. Just not. Isn't he in arbitration right now? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, he's uh, first arbitration eligible in twenty seventeen. Well, so there you go. He's been on five hundred thousand dollar contracts the last. My three first years.
2: point stands. Strong.
1: He should want to do it, and I think the Yankees should want to do it too.
2: But they're not going to, so.
1: Well, they should let me run the team.
2: I'm I'm all right with that. Let's do it. I got a job in the in the organization if you're running the team.
1: <laughs> you'll be my you'll be my <laughs> official podcast
2: host. <laughs> <I'll be> traveling <laughs> assistant to the traveling <laughs> podcast host.
1: Um. All right. Let's talk about the Hall of Fame a little bit. Um. There's been. So if you – you can actually check what guys have been voted for based on whoever has submitted their ballots so far, both anonymous and who has made their ballots public. And 36.3% of people have already voted. So it's still a low amount.
2: I thought they were all going to be public for this next one. Aren't they? Isn't everybody public? Uh,
1: Starting 2018.
2: Oh, so it's not this next one.
1: Yeah, once the new CBA kicks in, which is next year. They anyway. should uh,
2: they should be ahead of that trend. These guys they should they should uh, you know be, be ahead of the curve, grow some balls.
1: <laughs> anyway, uh, some surprising stuff. Bonds and Clemens are getting seventy percent. They need seventy five percent to get in, but Bonds only got like fifty two percent last year, and Clemens yeah. like fifty eight percent. So that's a huge jump. Um, now maybe you can say that the people who have already submitted are um, more. Um, On the cutting edge of voting. They're more with the trends. They they discount the whole steroid uh, stuff more than some more traditional voters. Who knows? But all I know is 70% is actually uh, pretty high for those guys. They're on their fifth year of eligibility. Kind of leads me to believe that I think they might get in sooner rather than later.
2: Yeah, for that high, I heard that too. I was listening to a lot of MLB satellite radio, and they were talking about this quite a bit and talking about those numbers. For one... Do we know the landscape of the voters? I mean, has it changed? I mean, this year, next year, are we seeing like a fall off? Is there a lot of new voters coming in? How does you mean? Is there how, a lot of
1: old dudes dying and some dying, new or just or
2: not, not, or just don't have a vote anymore because they're not writing any longer? I don't know. I don't even know how that works. But uh, you know, because I think as soon as we start getting a much younger trend, a much younger group of writers, we're going to start seeing those steroid guys get in.
1: Yeah, and it's it's one of those things that you make an argument, and and some people say, "Well, we think Barry Bonds started doing steroids in 1999, and if you take his first years of his uh, career up until 1998, he's a Hall of Famer without the last eight years of his career." So, yeah, so
2: you get you get you get into such sticky territory when you're doing that. Totally, I, I was listening to this, so many of these 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 conversations about this, and there and and people like some of these older guys. I forget who I was listening to. The former GM of the Padres, Bowden Jim Bowden, is that his name? Anyway, I think he's he's on a <laughs> uh, Sirius radio, and they were talking about you know how they vote and kind of like their own criteria. And I get it; every guy has their own criteria, and that's exactly why you should that you should have your own criteria and why you vote. That's that's what it's for. Um, but and there's a certain guidelines where the Hall of Fame puts in into play that you you should take you have to take into consideration for each player, and. A lot of them are saying, well, you know, I know enough. I have what I believe is enough evidence to say that Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens did steroids. So I'm dismissing them. But I don't have enough information about guys like Piazza or Pudge or Bagwell or these guys. And because I don't have enough information on that and I don't have enough evidence, I'm going to put them into the non-category bucket. And then to me, that whole – because they're like I can't assume – well, well you're already assuming now with Bonds and Clemens because nobody was ever convicted of anything, they were never they never failed the test, but yet you're assuming that they were on there because of the evidence that you think is legitimate enough. And that's fine, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But at the same time, everybody's assuming everything about everybody in that era. It doesn't stop. It's all gray. It's, I look at it. It's a problem.
1: I look at it if that if you played from 1985 until 2000 2000- and ten. I'm assuming you did steroids,
2: but the problem here's another problem. You're getting you're getting nailed now for PEDs, a PED violation, which everybody looks at a PED violation. They say steroids, but some of them are is like Adderall, right? And no, that's the, seven- the NFL. No, there's but there's Adderall violations as well. That's that's why uh, what's his face, it's Chris Chris Davis had the uh, the prescription for Adderall and it got taken away from him and he got dinged. The 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 70s in baseball in, in Major League Baseball was riddled with greenies like in the 80s riddled with greenies The, the watch the Doc and Daryl about how Daryl Strawberry and Doc Gooden are talking about the amount of greenies that they took just to get them to the next bar well, and like, start drinking it, and then break them back up I'm, were, I'm just saying <laughs> The, there's the amount of, of drugs and steroids and PEDs and all these things. It goes beyond even the steroid era. These guys were doing stuff before that. So it's all gray. I don't know where the line is. It's not even a clear line. It's very blurred, even when it started. And are we talking about just steroids? Because before that, we're talking about the the uppers, the Adderalls, the the Greenies or whatever. So it's... It's everybody's assuming too much. I agree. It just needs to be an asterisk or we just need to say, look, this is what it was. This was this era. Yes. This was this era. Exactly. This is this era. Who was the best guy?
1: Yes. We need to say who is the best guy of this era and we're voting them in. And if you want to put on their plaque, they played during the steroid era. Fine. I don't give a shit. But Bonds and Clemens were undoubtedly the two best players, uh, two of the best players of that era. So they need to be in the Hall of Fame. And Get out of here with this Jeff Bagwell nonsense. He's trending at ninety-two percent. Why does everyone love Jeff Bagwell so much? His stats know. are so prototypical steroids, and they're not even as good as other guys like Manny Ramirez or Gary Sheffield. Or uh, go down the list of power hitters of the late nineties. They're not as good as Jeff. Or Jeff Bagwell is not as good as them, and he's he's everyone's giving him love. I don't get it.
2: The, the thing that's driving me nuts is I'm looking forward already and seeing how this is trending and everybody talking about these gray areas and who does what and and, and what the evidence is. And I'm already envisioning David Ortiz getting in the Hall of Fame as, and, and, and getting in like on the, I don't know, they don't do the first ballot because nobody, they'll probably hold them off of that because baseball writers will do that. Because D-H- And then they'll get him. And then, yeah, and then they'll get him in on the second or third or whatever. And they won't be they won't be lumping in him with the rest of the, the guys that were steroid guys when he was clearly one of those guys. It, you know, it's just it's ridiculous. There's so many things contradicting each other when when these guys are talking about this. It makes my head spin and it drives me nuts. They need to reshape the way the Hall of Fame is voted,
1: or we just need to. I mean, does anyone really care about say the football Hall of Fame?
2: No, I mean, I don't know. Maybe some people do. Yeah, but I don't really. But care. not
1: really. Uh, but people care about the Baseball Hall of Fame. It is a it is a long tradition. People really think of it as a great honor. Maybe we just need to stop considering it that way.
2: What What about this? Here's another. Here's another little uh, little little spin. So the the steroid era. Everybody obviously we're talking about the uh, the guys who have been convicted and all these guys. Well, Bud Selig, who was in charge of baseball during the steroid era, is is going into the Hall of Fame. He's not being voted in, but there's that council or whatever the hell it is of elitists in baseball who that say, okay, you're in, you're in, you're yeah, in. It's and a they, council and, of
1: old guys that vote in less yeah. old guys.
2: Yes. So Bud Selig is being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Well, why aren't we looking at Bud Selig as the guy who allowed all of this to happen, the guy that wouldn't take on the Players Association because he was – you know they were they were too strong, or he didn't want to take them on because of uh, you know of, of of stoppages and things like that. And you know people can look at Bud Selig and the way and his the way that he handled that as you know letting it happen. He's the one who let the steroids stay in the game. They they were obviously down when McGuire and Sosa were hitting bombs. Everybody chicks digged the long ball, and it brought baseball back into the forefront. And Selig loved it, and he was revered for it. And now we know why, because he was letting these steroids play in the game, and now he's getting inducted to the Hall of Fame. So, so why isn't there also a standard for him by allowing these things?
1: Because money. He grew the game. The game grew tenfold when he was the commissioner, and it is now bigger than it's ever been. So.
2: Okay, I could say the same thing about Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. Oh, they I also totally agree with you.
1: But the answer for Bud Sealy is money. He, he was good. As far as the bottom line of the league goes, he was good for the game. So he was thought of as a good commissioner.
2: The, but the thing with him is, like you were saying, the elitists, the guys who are, who are all in arms together, he's on that crew. I mean, he's an, he was an owner. Is he still the owner of the, the no, Brewers? No, he had no, to no. Give he, up. He, had he was to give it the up. owner of the Brewers. Yeah, he had to give it up when he, he was He's the... in that fraternity. I mean, he's, he's with these guys. He's one of them. So they don't. They look the other way when that stuff happens. The players are the players. They're not. Uh, they're not on the the side of the owners. They're not on the, the side of the, the baseball elitist guys. It's a different. It's a different level of uh, of baseball. You know what I mean? Like it's it's the the, the, the guy above the guy, whoever that guy is. So I mean, there, there's a to, there's like the totem pole of baseball, and Seelig is in the owners. So.
1: Um, poor Jorge Posada's has only got five percent.
2: You need five to stay on, right?
1: Oh, I don't even know what you need. I thought you needed you needed fifteen.
2: I thought I think you need five to stay on. So that's from, like from two votes. <laughs> yeah, but he was yeah he's trending at less than five, so less he's, than five. He's yeah. actually on on pace to not make it right now, not to stay on the ballot. Yeah, he's trending is...
1: at four point four percent. He's only he... received seven votes. And and I, and listen, Posada's is not a Hall of Famer. Neither of us no, can argue. No, he's not a Hall his, of Famer, but. But he was we're biased. there's no way to talk about Posada and not be biased as a Yankees fan. but he
2: was one he's a of, Yankee Hall of Famer?
1: Yes, 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 absolutely. He was one of the three best catchers of the 2000s. You know the crazy to 2010, thing... one of the three best catchers in baseball.
2: Okay, yeah, not looking at the the, the names. I mean that's it's probably close if if not right there. The thing about the Baseball Hall of Fame, too, the other the other uh, insane thing about this, you're, you're looking at Posada, who's at five percent. Some of these guys who are voting, I, I've been listening to again more of this stuff. They were talking about, you know, giving a vote, one of the ten votes to Posada, just to keep him on the ballot.
1: Yeah, it's and, the and, politics and, shit that we talk yeah, about. Yeah, it's their yeah.
2: strategy. They're are they're, they're doing a they're, they're working their strategy in the way that they vote. <sighs> so stupid, just to keep a guy on the ballot. Where well well then you're not using that other vote for a guy who deserves the Hall of Fame. It's ridiculous the way that they do these things. And he's—I I forget who it was talking about this—but he's, he's, you know, outright saying, "Yes, I'm going to use my vote for Posada to keep him on the ballot." Well, then who's who's the guy you're leaving off that deserves to be in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, because there's well, somebody there like, that you're leaving like, oh, well, off. Well,
1: I'm not going to vote for um, Pud Rodriguez because I know the rest of the voters will, so he's going to exactly. get in anyway. And it's like, yeah. well, then, well, then, what are what are we really doing here? This is this is like a popularity contest in high school at this point.
2: It's not even just a popularity contest, but it's politics in the in who's popular today, because maybe they'll be more popular next year, and I think this guy has enough votes, but maybe he doesn't. It's ridiculous. It's so stupid.
1: I need a 30 I, I really, for 30 on on the inner politics of the baseball writers voting for the Hall of Fame.
2: I really do believe that once this goes public, everybody's votes, a lot of things are gonna change. Because I think that takes a lot more to put your vote out there, put your name behind it, and say, this is the reason I did it. You're gonna, people are going to think twice about what they do when they know damn well that everybody you know, everybody in the media, everybody, all the fans know exactly who they are, are picking and what they're doing because they're going to have to explain it. And when they, when they explain it, they can't sound ridiculous. <laughs> and if they do, they got to live up to that, and they gotta, they got to deal with that. I think it's going to change a lot of things. I think it's going to change the way that people vote.
1: And you and I will continue to mock or not mock all the writers for how they go about voting. It's, it's one of my favorite pastimes. It's pretty fun to do. Um, all right. That is it for us this week. Any last words before we get out of here?
2: Yeah, hopefully the Yankees will do something, so we have some new stuff to talk about. That'd be nice.
1: Nah, this is good. Let's just see how long. It's like uh, Kramer driving the car on empty. Let's just, just see how going, long. Just keep
2: going, baby. <laughs> just keep going.
1: Let's see how long we can drive this thing with with nothing going on.
2: I feel like last year, even though we didn't sign any free agents, they spaced out they the traded the for
1: Chapman and Starlin Castro. That gave us like a month worth of content.
2: Yeah, that's true.
1: Hey, good. we're we're chugging along. I think we're we're doing the best we can with, with what we're given.
2: Yeah, send us some mailbags, guys. Let's uh, you know what do you what do you want to hear about? Otherwise, we're gonna start breaking down positions. We're gonna start getting into the inner workings of this team.
1: Hey, but, uh, I could do fifty minutes just on how bad Chase Headley
2: is. Yeah, I know you could. I don't know if I could listen to that though. You could. That would be your. That could be a solo show. <laughs>
1: All right. Happy New Year, everybody, and we'll talk to you guys next week.